The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Greetings, scribes. This week's episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by New Media Dojo. Thinking about starting a podcast or just want to up your sound quality? Make a sound impression with New Media Dojo and inquire today about all of your podcast production needs. Just head over to NewMediaDojo.com to talk podcast. That's NewMediaDojo.com. One of the things that's really important to me personally is that I think friendship is like really a primary structure, a primary social structure in my own life, you know, and I feel like sometimes friendship gets the short end of the stick because we focus so much on romantic connection as the primary structure. When for me, you know, I've, I've had so many amazing, beautiful friendships that have sustained me and taught me kind of like just how to be a person. And I think I wanted to capture a little bit of that uh, between Fiona and Jane. Welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance, per usual. Critically acclaimed debut author Jean Chen Ho spoke to me about the art of nonlinear storytelling, the shifting POVs in her novel Fiona and Jane, and the value of a strong writing community. Jean was born in Taiwan and grew up in Southern California. She's a doctoral candidate in creative writing and literature at the University of Southern California and has an MFA from UNLV. Her much-anticipated debut novel is a collection of linked stories titled Fiona and Jane. Booklist called it Tender and Timeless, a book that explores the intimate facets of female friendship, Asian-American immigrant experiences in Los Angeles and New York, and the debilitating power of family traumas. Best-selling author Alexander Chi wrote, Fiona and Jane is a high-wire act, and Pulitzer Prize-winning author Viet Thanh Nguyen called it a knockout of a book. Jean's writing has also been published in the Georgia Review, GQ, Harper's Bazaar, Guernica, The Rumpus, Apogee, McSweeney's Internet Tendency, and others. In this file, Jean and I discussed why writers shouldn't pick up their phones until noon, the rigors and routines of editing, how going to happy hour and talking about writing counts as writing, the loneliness of being a writer, deadlines, accountability, the importance of writing groups, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. 
I'm cooking up some new collaborations and sponsors for the show in 2022, so stay tuned. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are rolling once again on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by author Jean Chen Ho. How are you uh, surviving these days? Uh, I'm hanging in there, Kelton. How are you? (laughs) Also hanging in there. um, As so many uh, of us are just kind of trying to figure out what on earth is happening. Yeah, it feels like we've been hanging in there for quite a while now. (laughs) It's like that cat in the the poster in the dentist Mm -hmm. office. You know, it just never, it never comes down. Yeah. Hey, uh, congratulations on your lauded debut. How are you feeling uh, going into the birth of your your baby? Thanks so much. Uh, It's really exciting. You know, uh, I got the finished copy of the book a couple weeks ago. I showed it to my mom and she really liked it. So I don't know if it feels exciting and also a little bit surreal, you know, to to actually be here. Yeah. But you're no stranger to the writing life. And, and of course, gosh, this book has gotten so many incredible blurbs. Um, you must be feeling pretty confident. And, and of course, kind of want to do the, as we do with so many authors, kind of the Cliff's Notes of your superhero origin story. But yeah, talk about your kind of your academic career and, you know, all of the writing that you've done previously kind of leading up that has led up to this, because this isn't really technically like your first rodeo. Well, okay. Um, Let's see. I got my MFA at UNLV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, the seeds of this book started out in my MFA thesis. So, Hmm. you know, probably one or two stories that ended up in a totally different form in Fiona and Jane uh, started out as you know, first drafts or second drafts in my MFA thesis. Hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, after I graduated, I did some freelance writing and I applied for PhD programs, not really quite sure of what exactly a PhD entailed. I was just sort <laughs> of wanting more time to write and, uh, you know, health insurance, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I applied for PhD programs, and one day in January of 2015, I got an unknown call on my cell, picked it up. Turns out it was Amy Bender, uh, who's on the faculty at USC, inviting me to, you know, come be a part of the PhD program in creative writing and literature. Wow. And, um, you know, my, my soul sort of floated out of my body at that point. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so I, I started the program in the fall of 2015 and I'm still in it. I was supposed to graduate actually in 2021. Um, but you know, this little pandemic thing happened. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I couldn't, you know, access the library to do my dissertation research. And thankfully my program, um, gave me another year to finish up. So I'll be, I'll be, getting out of here finally in the spring of this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it must feel kind of surreal to have your debut um, 
picked up by so many and and some of these blurbs are pretty pretty incredible your peers have kind of come out of the the woodwork to um to say some really nice things i mean this uh quote by Viet Tan Nguyen um just a knockout of a book uh, how do you feel about some some of these blurbs okay can i just tell you um like you know we asked for these blurbs probably back in summer of last year probably in like yeah. july and then yeah. you know uh we asked <laughs> we asked the writers to come back with their blurbs you know like in two months and of course uh, i won't name any names but some people didn't make the deadline and we had to but like my editor you know obviously she's a pro so she built this into the process but the first blurb that we got back was from Layla Lalami. And um, she's such a hero of mine. She's just so kind and so smart. And when I got the email that she has sent in her blurb and I read it, I just burst into tears. I was uh-huh. just, I was just so moved, you know, um, you know, it's really scary to, to show your writing to somebody you admire, you know, and yeah. Um, you know, of course I publish stories here and there, but this is like my whole book and to have, a you know, somebody read it with such compassion and write something so generous was, was really, truly moving. And so, you know, as, as the blurbs came in, I just, I think I probably cried, um, Mm. every, every single time I'm, I'm kind of a sensitive person. I, uh, you know, I, I like to cry, I have to say. So (laughs) yeah, but I'm really thankful to all of the people who, who wrote such amazing blurbs for me. It's, it's such an honor. Yeah. And Layla said specifically, this book is a treasure and that's got to be a pretty high compliment um, coming from a hero of yours. But um, Fiona and Jane uh, has just been, you know, picked up by so many outlets and named uh, most anticipated book of 2022. And here we are in 20. I can't even believe it's 2022. I know. Can you believe it? Like, what is time even after the last two years? <laughs> I like, I really can't remember what if stuff happened in 2021 or 2020. It just feels like one big blur. Uh, well, it must be exciting to be a uh, January Indie Next Pick and getting all of this uh, great press. Congrats, Fiona and Jane. You know, it's been described as a glimpse into two women's lives as they deal with sexuality, class difference, immigrant family secrets, mental health, Asian American identity, and a lot more. Um, and that's, that doesn't really sum it up. But talk a little bit about the structure of the book and this kind of really compelling nonlinear storytelling that you've undertaken and, and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the difference that you're finding, you know, I don't know, just in the, in that process in general to your creative, uh, creative process. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to write a book that explored Asian American women in sort of a a mundane, everyday, ordinary way in their lives. And I wanted Mm. to do it through a long friendship. So the book is um, structured in 10 stories and it's told in alternating points of view. Um, You know, so half the stories are told from Fiona's point of view. Those stories are all in third person and uh, half the stories are written from Jane's point of view and all those stories are in first person. So I really got to have a lot of fun playing with those two perspectives. 
And one of the things that's really important to me personally is that I think friendship is like really a primary structure, a primary social structure in my own life, you know, and I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes friendship gets the short end of the stick because we focus so much on romantic connection as the primary structure. When Mm. for me, you know, I've, I've had so many amazing, beautiful friendships that have sustained me and taught me kind of like just how to be a person. And I think I wanted to capture a little bit of that uh, between Fiona and Jane. So um, using this sort of like alternating back and forth uh, structure, you get to see each character grow up in her own life, but you also get a view of her best friend um, and how, you know, in a way, somebody that you're so close to and you're and you love so much throughout a long friendship really defines you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it comes through in the work, um, and it's it's definitely um, heartbreaking at times and hilarious at times. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Talk a little bit about kind of your, your relationship with Los Angeles or or even New York, I don't know. I think when I think of Los Angeles, because I, I had only lived there maybe four or five years, um, but I don't think of it as like a in the same way that I do a place like New York City. Los Angeles is is kind of you know it's this sprawling, almost centerless you know yeah thing, and I have the memories of yeah exactly as you mentioned, kind of the friendships that I had there, and then and then the places that we spent time. Um, so you know, you, you're kind of, you're kind of playing with this idea of time also, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Talk a little bit about your relationship with maybe those, you know, the places in Mm -hmm. the book. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Southern California. I, you know, the the other place that's important to this book is Taipei. And I was Mm -hmm. born there and I came to the States when I was eight. So, um, and I still have lots of family in Taiwan. So, um, you know, LA is, is sort of my home base. And then New York, I lived there. So you said you lived in LA for, you know, five, six years. Uh Yeah. It made a huge impact on me, but, but it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about the place LA. It was like about the places within the, you know, like kind of the pocket. Yeah. Cause I think you're right in that LA is, is so sprawled out. Um, and there's so many different kinds of experiences Mm -hmm. that you can have. Even, you know, I've lived here forever and I feel like there's some days when I'm like, Oh, I've never driven this freeway. Like, what is this? (laughs) What is this new part of town that I've never, you know, seen? Whereas New York feels like, like it's, it is, it, it is like a little easier to ease into as a city. Just by walking around, you can really soak in so much energy and atmosphere. Mm. Hey, I just want to take a quick break for my podcast recommendation for this week. Have you run out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then take a listen to the Book Dreams podcast. Each week, co-hosts Julie Sternberg and Eve Yohalem use books to explore fascinating questions like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? How did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Disha Filia, award-winning author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and neuroscientist and dreams researcher Siddhartha Ribeiro. You can subscribe and listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the show. So I lived in New York in my 20s but I could only last for three years there because I just I couldn't take the winters you know like as somebody who grew up on an island you know and then grew up in Southern California (laughs) after that I just uh like I was just so depressed every winter so I had to leave after three years but I had a great time and I feel like it it all it had a, a a great impact on me and so um Fiona in the book moves to New York and she's able, she's tougher than me. So she lived there for a decade before <laughs> moving back to LA and uh, rediscovering her friendship with Jane. But, you know, I love to visit New York these days. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's very nostalgic for me, but part of the magic of visiting a place over time too, is that I notice how much it's changed. Mm. Like, so for example, I used to live in the Lower East Side on Orchard Street, and there was this falafel place that we used to always go to because it was open 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that that spot has been now transformed into an equinox. <laughs> Bummer. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe not for people who like to intensely exercise. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But I don't know. It's just interesting seeing those changes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I couldn't help but think of, um, some, you know, just, uh, you know, as you put it, you drive places that you haven't ever seen before in Los Angeles. Suddenly you're 
kind of you take a wrong turn and you're like, oh, I've never seen this part of the city. Um, but you do spend so much time driving. And then, mm-hmm. then there are the places within the places. You know, I just have memories of these great bars in Los Angeles. Like, uh, I don't know, there was a place called Jones Drug that we used to go to. It kind of looked from on, on the outside, it kind of looked like a uh, pharmacy. <laughs> but in the inside, it was like this punk rock kind of uh, a lot of black and white photos of like punk, punk uh, rock and roll. And it was uh, lined with bottles of Jack Daniels, I think, along the, uh, along the walls or the ceiling or something. Anyway. A lot of good memories. Yeah. Oh man. It's like the pandemic really took away the great joy of like going to a, a dive bar, you know, <laughs> like even for me more than like dining out in a restaurant. Cause you know, like obviously I missed that too, but just like going to a bar, man, that was like what was really missing for me. Like, uh, in the last couple of years, does that sound, maybe sound like a degenerate? No. <laughs> No, there's something there's something deeply satisfying about spending time at a dive bar um, yeah. and not feeling mm-hmm. self-conscious about it. Um, yeah. And LA has plenty of those. Well, and, and New York does too, but uh, of course, uh, let's talk about your writing process. And so you, so some of this came to be um, as you're crafting a thesis and then you know you're spending time um, in a PhD program. How do how do you, you know, kind of when you're when you're getting down to it and get you know getting pages? How are you finding time to be to get into flow state to be you know cranking out words or is it or is it all kind of coming piecemeal um, to you? Hmm. I think that when I have a good. Okay. I mean, I think it depends on where I am in the project. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm starting, if I'm starting something new and I don't really know what it is yet or how it's going to end up, um, I can work on that sort of in, in bits and pieces and feel like, you know, like ideas can come in and I'm open to so many like different sparks or something. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I'm further along in a project, and I know that I do have to just get words down and finish telling the story to get to the next draft, or if I'm at the point where I'm editing, you know, a, a second draft, third draft, 50th draft, mm-hmm. um, then I like to, you know, if I can get into a routine, you know, and what I do for me, I'm a writer in the morning. So I have my routine. A really important part of that is um, I don't look at my phone if I can help it until noon, you know, I definitely not until 11, if I can. So I spend the morning just, you know, writing in my journal, and then I move to the computer. And at the end of a session, um, I'll leave myself a little note on the bottom of the page, so that the next day, um, I'll know where I'm supposed to pick up and not have to like reread the whole document again. So, um, yeah, having a routine is really is really important, you know. And also, I'm not like too hard on myself. Like you hear people talking about the how they write from like ten to six or something <laughs> insane like that. Uh-huh. I just I don't know how anybody could write for more than like three four hours max. Hmm. For me, a good writing session, honestly, is like three five minutes to an hour, and then I give myself a little treat, maybe go for a walk. And then maybe I'll do a second session if I feel like it. But if I can get 
like just sit my butt down and, and do 45 minutes to an hour. That's a pretty good day. Yeah. Well, you, you've probably learned some great tricks from rubbing elbows with some, some, uh, of your literary peers, um, over the years, but yeah, talk a little bit about kind of the influence and the importance of the writing community that you've established. Um, because I know between the MFA and the, and the, um, doctoral program, you know, not only are you learning from great other great writers, but you're really kind of spending some intimate hours <laughs> talking about writing. It totally, it totally counts as writing, you know, like oh, yeah. if you, if you go to a happy hour with your friend and you talk about your project, I think that counts as writing because, <laughs> um, no, I'm serious. That's like, awesome. well, I'm, I'm like at least half serious because, you know, just talking about the project with somebody who is smart and interesting, um, and whose opinion you respect I think will unlock something for you mm. in your writing process, right? And so one of the things that I feel I, I've been really lucky to have happen is that I, through my MFA and through my PhD, I've met so many wonderful poets. So I'm a fiction writer. I don't write poetry at all. Um, I love to read poetry, but because um, I've met people who work in verse, um, and there's so many things that you can do with poetry that you can't do with prose, um, that talking to how poets address their work has really opened up my eyes to, to what's possible, you know? That's and cool. I think even if, even if I'm like, I'm never going to write a poem cause I just respect the form too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like just having a conversation about, um, breaking the rules of what form is, you know, opens up my eyes and, and allows me to not be so rigid. Amazing. I like that a lot. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Um, yeah, well, um, I know that you have limited time here and we do appreciate your, your wisdom. And uh, yeah, before we kind of wrap up with your advice to fellow scribes, I will mention uh, the book, of course, linked to Fiona and Jane as well as your home base there, which is chinchenho.com. You are on Twitter. You are on Instagram. Anywhere else you want to connect with listeners out there? Um, I would say Twitter, Instagram is the best place. Um, I'm going to have, I don't know when you're planning to air this, but I'm going to have a few virtual events throughout January to to talk about the book that I'm really excited about. And if anybody is um, 
in LA, I am supposedly having a live event at Skylight on January 19th, which I suspect may be canceled by what's happening with the Omicron variant because uh, we want to be as safe as possible. But yeah. as far as I know for now, it's still an in-person event at Skylight. So that's where I'll be talking about the book on the computer and in person. Very cool. Um, you can find that information on your website. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's all there mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. events. And um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, also say congrats on the success of the book. I thought, uh, let's see, who summed it up nicely? This uh, little blurb, the books to read in 2022, based on what you loved in 2021, if you enjoyed After Parties by Anthony, oh, how, can, how do I pronounce that? Anthony Viasna So. Yeah. Is that right? I think that's okay, right. Okay, we'll go with I that one. So. Yeah. Uh, read Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho. Ho's buzzy novel is a tender portrait of female friendship. It's about two Taiwanese-American women, Fiona and Jane, longtime best friends whose relationship is strained when life scatters them to opposite coasts. The story spans decades as they grow together and apart, navigating love, death, uh, complicated families, and heartbreak. And um, I am really enjoying the work. So one fun one before we wrap up with your advice. If you could have dinner with any author from any era at your favorite spot in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh, my God. That is such a hard question. I'm totally unprepared. I guess I have to... um, I guess I have to go with the most obvious answer for me, which is James Baldwin. I just oh. love his work so much. I think, um, you know, he he writes poems, plays, essays, of course, um, and fiction. So he's just he's just so wise, you know. Mm. And I feel like even when I read his work that was published. Um, you know, decades ago, it's still completely apt for what's happening today. So I would pick him. I don't know where I would take him. Maybe he can take me somewhere because, you know, he's lived in France and Istanbul. So maybe I'll leave it to him. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Somewhere in (laughs) probably somewhere in France or Istanbul would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, His favorite Mm -hmm. spot. I love it. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. Um, just your kind of any pearl of wisdom you have for your fellow scribes and just kind of how to persevere maybe through, through the, uh, through the tough times and and the good uh i don't know if i have a pearl of wisdom gosh <laughs> so no pearl of wisdom but maybe just a reflection based on my own experience for writers and how to persevere i think that um writing is so lonely you know because honestly, so much of it happens in your brain, right? Like, in, and then you, you're just sitting there in front of your computer or writing it down in a notebook that um, sometimes it feels like you're just talking to yourself and writing into a void. So I think it's helpful at some point to get um, a writing group or to find community and um, have accountability, right? Like you can have deadlines like once a month and you trade work and maybe you don't even give feedback on the work except to just hold your friends to the deadline and say like by this date you're going to turn in you know 15 pages of your work and then it forces you to really adhere to that yeah so I think having having a community finding other writers really 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 helps 
because otherwise it's just it's just really lonesome. It's going to be lonesome anyway, but <laughs> uh, you can be lonesome together. There you go. Commiseration amongst mm-hmm. scribes. I love it. Gene, thank you so much. Congratulations. Please come back and wrap with us in the future and uh, do do stay safe out there. You too. Thanks so much for having me. This is such a pleasure. And scene. I think we got it. We did it under time. And I know that Yay! you <laughs> you got to keep going. So uh, seriously, uh, uh, congrats on, on everything. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. You asked so many great questions. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, at times I tend to ramble a little bit, but I'm, I hope I kept us on track. I definitely rambled. So you'll have to, <laughs> you'll have to edit me down too and post. We'll, do, we'll make you sound smart. Okay, please All do. Right, Thank All you. right, Gene. Take, take care. We'll be in touch. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.